All right, everybody, welcome to Lifestyle Medicine. Today we've got Magali Brecky, who is a licensed acupuncturist and co-founder of Kitchen Witch Bone Broth, which has gone national, right, as of how long? <laughs> um, yeah, sort of national, definitely West Coast. Definitely since, West Coast, okay. Yeah, we started in 2014. That's when you guys actually started the, the whole process? Yeah. yep. Wow. So for the people listening, I, I know Magali from our grad school program um, at Five Branches University in Santa Cruz, California for acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine. So you guys were, what year did you graduate? Grayson, what year did I graduate? <laughs> um, you know, I actually, no, I graduated in 2014. Okay, you did. Um, yeah, I graduated in 2014. And oh my God, it might have been 2015. I don't know. It all became a blur when we yeah. started Kitchen Witch. And I was simultaneously running a artisanal food startup and right. finishing my last year and taking the boards and doing all of that. So, right. yeah. We started in 2014. I believe that is the year I graduated. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows for sure, right? <laughs> yeah, and it all it all started there. Yeah. Well, the so what was again? You know, you started the bone broth thing while you were at school, and you guys give us a little backstory on how you started the process because I remember you guys making the small batches of bone broth, and then there was this point where you guys I think started bringing it to school, and people were taking. There was sort of like mm -hmm. people were taking orders more or less like, yeah, I'd like to get some bone broth. <laughs> yeah. And um, and for the people listening, bone broth, it's one of the age old traditional foods. Um, lots of cultures do it, but it's seen in Chinese medicine as a kidney tonic. It's incredibly good for its mineral content, collagen, fat, proteins. It's an amazing superfood of sorts. But yeah, mm -hmm. give us a background on how <laughs> how it started because I, how we started. Yeah. Yeah, so we actually started, there's three of us who founded the company, two of us remain with the company now, and of those three, two of us were in five branches at the same time, and that was uh, Rhiannon and I. I was a year ahead of her, cohort-wise, but we were both making bone broth for private clients on the side without really knowing that the other was doing it. So Rhiannon was doing it and calling herself Kitchen Witch, mm. and she was... Um, adding Chinese herbs to the bone broth and she was taking orders via Facebook and then having people come and pick up from the fridge at five branches like a true entrepreneur right you know just like side hustle she'd have like names of people on the jars in the fridge <laughs> at five branches and then she'd put a thing up on the whiteboard in the student lounge like there's another batch coming off get your orders in and I saw that, but I was kind of busy in my own world. And at that time, my world was um, the place where Chinese medicine and Western fertility treatments intersect. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of that going on in this area, especially if you go over the hill in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of um, fertility clinics that are kind of world-renowned in the Western way, and then they've brought in the Eastern medicine. So I was doing that. And getting really involved in women's reproductive health and the idea of functional nutrition and the way it intersects with fertility. So I started making bone broth because it kept coming up in all of the research that I was doing. Like they need, they need collagen. They need a good source of collagen or gelatin. They need the micronutrients, the minerals. And then, of course, like the yin kidney aspect, which, of course, in Chinese medicine, mm -hmm. when you're looking at fertility, that's one of the main components. Right. Um, so I started making bone broth for my private clients and a lot of bone broth for women postpartum because 
in another life and in another side <laughs> hustle at that time, I was I was a doula for women postpartum. Oh, cool. I was a doula and then working with them postpartum. So anyone who has worked with women postpartum knows that nourishment is absolutely foundational and nourishment for the mother needs to be in place before that baby is out because once that baby is out you're just like give me anything you know and you're just trying to kind of get through it's so true (laughs) and and just to interject with that that point so i have a um my daughter's gonna be three in may and yeah so she's just a little sweetheart and we did a home birth and beautiful yeah it was awesome and when when (laughs) i remember i had I mean, I had the, like what you said, I had the food and the, the foods, essentially these nourishing foods prepared because I knew once that baby was out, it was, we were, hit, <laughs> we were hitting the ground running and I was like, I'm yeah. not going to have time to prepare meals. And we had, but yeah. bone broth was a big piece, bone broth, yeah. um, lots of ginger, you know, chicken bone soups. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. nourishing foods through and through and it made all the difference. I mean, it oh, was, yeah. my, my wife was essentially drinking and eating these foods like they were nectar. Like it, you could just see her just, you know, like downing it. And she was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I need. I'm like, I know, Aww. I know, it was so good. So, so totally, <clears throat> I can relate fully by, to what you're saying. I mean, it's, I think yeah. it's, and it's, I can speak to the, t- the testament that it's true. Yeah, yeah. So that's how it started for me because I was seeing that same thing. I was, I was, you know, walking into the homes of women who I, I had been with them at their birth and I was preparing at their homes before they came home from the hospital or in some cases it was a home birth. And so it was, I was able to just be there and I was coming with bone broth prepared already that I'd made and then making them foods with it. Oh. And the power of it, like you just explained with your wife, it was so palpable and obvious Um that it really started kind of a fire in me. Um, and it was just this coalescing for me with the fertility, trying to get pregnant, you know, with all these women trying to get pregnant, watching the birth, birth is happening, it's real. And then yep. watching this after portion, which in the States, of course, we often disregard. It's all about the baby. It's all yep. about, you know, getting back to work or getting back in shape or whatever BS, uh, you know, that that's there. <laughs> yeah. But I became really fascinated by the by the postpartum traditions of other cultures and then how that intersects with modern medicine and functional medicine. And so I just was making bone broth as like a way to contribute. And um, what happened, this is back to the story of Kitchen Witch, what happened is that, like I said, Rhiannon's doing her thing over there, I'm doing my thing over here. And our third partner, Missy, um, was a new mom in Santa Cruz. And she saw Rhiannon advertising, I don't know how she even encountered it, but she saw it on Facebook and she's like, I need bone broth. I'm going to help this. I'm going to like order from this woman. So she's like, oh, wow, she's placing orders through Facebook Messenger. Like, there's got to be a better way to do this. <laughs> right. And Missy being who she is, she's she's a logistical queen. Um, she reached out and she said, hey, I want bone broth, but also, like, let's make this more legit. Like, yeah. I can help you. Streamline and, this a bit, yeah. Yeah. And on that, I think it was on that same day that Missy reached out to Rhiannon, I reached out to Rhiannon, and I said, hey, let's make this more legitimate. There's no point in both of us doing this, you know, on the side, let's come together and make it something more real. So Rhiannon being the networker that she is said, Oh, these two people reached out instead of feeling 
like my little business is threatened by like people coming in and saying, you should do this better or, you know, let's make it bigger. She's like, let's bring everybody together. And so that fateful day, we all got together and we decided to make it real. And um, just a couple of months after, you know, figuring out what it meant to get a kitchen permit and what right. it meant to like right. put a safe safety seal on a ring. Yeah. Um, Whole Foods reached out to us. And then New Leaf, which in the Santa Cruz area is our local organic market, um, reached out to us and they wanted it. And so we just scrambled and figured out how to create a legal retail product rather than a direct-to-consumer product. Yep. And it went from there because, you know, if you're in the, the retail food scene, each store is a hub that then has arms out to other stores. And once you're in one of them, it's easier to get into more of them. Right. Um, and so that's what we've been plugging away at for the last four plus years now is expanding that retail reach and, um, you know, using all that Chinese medical education to yeah. crunch numbers on Excel spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so true. Yeah. To figure out, you know, is it a legitimate business venture? So that's how we began. And yeah, here we plot along. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's awesome. I mean, to see, to see you guys, to know you guys personally and just see it from its infancy with all of its quirks and then to just see it now where I go to every time I go to Whole Foods I'm like there they are like kitchen witch bone broth is just sitting on, yeah. the, on the shelf it's pretty cool to see the the big expanse of how you guys have rolled this out but let's yeah. let's um so there's some key threads right and I, I want to ask you some about just the entrepreneurial stuff kind of towards the end but but for now <laughs> I, I'm I want to know for the people listening um you know maybe that aren't in Chinese medicine that are are what you would call just mainstream demographic when we talk about these traditional foods and the power that they carry that have been around for thousands of years, talk to talk to the group here about about bone broth, what it is, why it's so vitally important, um, and what you've seen in, in the people that have been, you know, drinking it consistently, and yourself included. You know, I'm sure you have yeah. experience with it. Yeah, I don't drink enough of it, believe yeah. it or not. <laughs> like anyway. But yeah, so what I what I love to say whenever I'm teaching a class on bone broth or I'm speaking to a, a you know a group of people about it, every single culture in the world, regardless of their nearness or or farness from the equator, meaning you know how hot or cold it is, yeah. every single culture has a broth tradition. It doesn't matter where you are, the tropics or in the polar region, there is yeah. a broth tradition. And that to me says something about that deep traditional inner knowing and food and herbology and that, that deep cross-cultural inner knowing. That is something that really, really fascinates me. And I think it's something that we need to pay attention to in this modern world. So, agreed, agreed fully. <laughs> yeah. Every culture has a broth tradition. Every culture takes the remnants of eating animals and boils that down into something that is thought to be medicinal and thought to be deeply nourishing. Um, It doesn't really matter what kind of animal. Culturally, you will take the bones, you will crack them open, and you will simmer them to Mm -hmm. pull nutrients out of them. Different cultures have ways of 
of enhancing that. So in cultures that are near the sea, you might see them add seaweed to the broth. So that makes it more mineral rich. Many people are probably familiar with dashi, where you would add a kombu. Mm -hmm. um, that's in the Japanese tradition. Other cultures, um, like in more of the northern sort of Scandinavian regions, you'll see them add some kind of an acid. So whether that's a vinegar or sometimes they'll even just throw in like spent citrus, whatever they have. And that acid is thought to help to break down the bones and pull more of the minerals and micronutrients out of the bones. Mm -hmm. um, but the tradition, the baseline tradition is always taking the bones, taking the cartilage, all the things that you can't readily chew up and eat. So most of the muscle meat has been removed. The organ meat is not added into the broth. That's coveted. Um, all of those, those bones, ligaments, um, tendons and joints are all tossed in and then they're simmered for a long period of time usually the smaller the animal the shorter the simmer mm -hmm. you know and vice versa larger the animal longer the simmer so you get more and more out of it yep. um and then that liquid is used to in a lot of places cook grains to make them more digestible cook vegetables to make them more digestible or simply had as a as a tonic as you would a tea mm-hmm and um, it looks different all over the world, but the foundation is, the, is really the same. So what you get from that is all of the collagen, all of the gelatin that was sort of trapped in the joint, that's one thing, yep. or, or trapped in the ligament that's too chewy. Mm -hmm. um, you get all of that collagen, all of that gelatin, and when you do that wide range of bones and joints, et cetera, you get different types of collagen because there are more yeah. than there's more than one type of collagen. Our skin is made up of one. Our mm -hmm. ligaments are made up another. Um, our hair is made up of another two. And so you you get that wide variety, which is what makes up your body as a whole. So, right. and simmering for a long time obviously will pull more of that into the the liquid that you use. And they break it down, right? It's like type one, type two, type three, type four. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many categories of the call? Is it five, four or five? I think there's five. Five, yeah. I think there's five. That's the most common one that we see, um, I believe, and sometimes I get it confused, but I believe that what we get the most of with, especially with this massive trend, I'm sure that people out there listening have heard of yeah. and seen collagen all over the place oh yeah you know it's huge it's, now. it's everywhere right yeah. there's collagen pills there's collagen chewies there's yes. collagen protein bars there's collagen peptides which yep. is probably the most common <clears throat> um thank you dave asprey and bulletproof <laughs> yeah. for popularizing collagen peptides yep. as um a protein source and also as a as a you know collagen replacement source i believe that's type one yeah. And when you see type 1 and when you see collagen peptides anywhere out in the world, what you're getting is collagen from the hide, typically, mm -hmm. of cows. Oh, I see. So that is um, the same kind of collagen that makes up our own human skin. Mm -hmm. um, it is not the same type of collagen that makes up our human joints mm -hmm. or our human uh, ligaments. Maybe there are some components in there. I'm not like yeah you know yeah fully on the on the um collagen science but i know that for example vital proteins which is yeah one of the really well-known collagen yep. producers they do a grass-fed collagen peptides gelatin and yeah. a type 3 collagen mm -hmm. that type 3 collagen comes from the joints and the ligaments and the tendons of grass-fed cows and that is marketed towards people who 
either have some kind of degenerative joint disease, maybe an autoimmune disease that's attacking the joints, right. and athletes who put a lot of stress in their bones and, uh, sorry, in their joints and ligaments. Yeah. And that's a type three. Uh-huh. So why that's important when you're looking for a collagen supplement or, or looking to add it or looking at bone broth, like which thing do I do? I think that, you know, and obviously I'm biased, but I think that going to a whole food source is always going to be your best bet. I agree. And when you when you either <clears throat> make your own make your own bone broth or you buy a, a, a legitimate bone broth like Kitchen Witch or like other ones that are out on the market because there are other really great bone broth companies yeah. out on the market too, you'll know that you're getting that wide range of collagen. Right. So we don't use any type one because I'm not adding right. like beef skin or beef <laughs> hide to my bone broth. Sure. I'm adding joints. Yeah. I'm adding ligaments. I'm adding, you know, that whole food is going right in just like your grandmother would or like you yeah. could do at home if you're lucky enough to have a butcher in your area who'll yeah. save those parts for you. Right. And what's so amazing is, for example, if you put in, I grew up in a Mexican household and my grandma would make pozole. And oh. when she makes pozole, she's putting in whole pig feet. Yes. You know, or she'll get the butcher to cut them. I and love it's like, pozole. oh, here's a, I love pozole. <laughs> best. Yeah, it's so it's good. It's absolutely the best. Yeah. And when, when pozole, when it's made right, when it's chilled, it's like jello. You have to like scoop it. Oh yeah. I remember as full a kid, blown like, gelatin. Like yeah, it's like gelatin. Full on. Yeah. It's like a like a jello mold and mm -hmm. you have to scoop it out to yep. heat it up again. Correct. And so when you do that, when you're making your own broth and say you were making a pig foot broth or like for us we do use um, like really nicely prepared beef feet in our beef broth, mm -hmm. it dissolves to nothing. Yeah. There's there's nothing. Yeah. Except the bone in the middle. Like you right. put in a beef foot and then there's nothing. Right. Like I'll never, never will I ever forget making my first large batch of Kitchen Witch. It went for 24 hours and I went back and I stirred it and I was like, okay, where's all the beef? Where are the feet? Like, <laughs> <Right>. What, <laughs> like, what happened? Where are they? And I had this like full body reaction where I was like. <gasps> it's in there. Like, it's in there. Like, yeah. Just, I was just so taken with that it was it was really oh, that, amazing no that's very cool and this points this points to this this idea that chinese medicine adheres to and i know i'm sure others do as well but chinese medicine the whole the old adage of like is good for like they exactly have, they have that that and what that means right for people that don't know is that um you know if you have joint problems or you have you know things with the tendons you're going to want to consume these foods because the constituent parts that make up that material is basically going to be assimilated by your body and there's a lot of people that will you know talk shit on that and say like no that's not true there's no scientific backing but it's like truth be told thousands of years people have been doing this yeah. and having very good uh, effect with these old traditional foods that are yeah. mineral rich that are that are prepared slowly and they are I mean, the people that I've seen that consistently dialogue with these foods, they thrive. They yeah. they do really well. And just that was one of the coolest things I thought about what you guys were doing was we know in the context when you're treating someone with acupuncture and herbs, right? That's the kind of main go-to thing you're doing in clinic. But I remember a number of the teachers, a lot of them Chinese saying that like you see a, a person for an hour, you know, maybe once a week or every two weeks 
And he said, there's all these hundreds of hours outside of here. You have no idea what they're doing. So you may just be putting out fires and the thing with the, with the broth, right? This immediately pushes it into the lifestyle. Like there's yeah. a, there's a food here that you should be consuming like a, yeah. like a, you know, it's a, it's a supplement and, and potentially a foundation for your diet that yes. can really replenish you um, in a completely different way. And that's why it's yep. so, it's so good, you know, to have these, have these foods mixed in. So what have you seen with the people, um, or, and maybe your personal experience too, what have you noticed in the past when you started consuming bone broth and then with the people that you were, um, the women that you were providing mm-hmm. it to, what were some of the stuff, what was some of the stuff you saw? Yeah. Well, just going back one yeah, second, of course. Yeah. Which is like the, all the people who say, you know, the like treats like thing and looking at traditional medicines and kind yeah. of poo pooing them and saying, Oh, there's not enough scientific evidence. Number right. one, like, give me a break. Yeah. That's what I say. So, too. <laughs> so this entire time while we're waiting for scientific evidence, just don't do the thing that could potentially be really good for you. Yeah, I know because so you're waiting. Stupid. But anyway, the, <laughs> the, the really exciting part about that is that there is scientific evidence now because mm-hmm. we're seeing this merging and this coalescing yeah. where science is saying, Oh yeah, traditional medicines do have a lot to offer. Perhaps we didn't have the tools to quantify that before. Correct. But we know that acupuncture works mm-hmm. scientifically, right. air quotes. Right, there. right. And so now collagen, and there's so much money in this industry um, that's pumping towards research to prove scientifically so that we might have even more marketing towards us about why collagen is good and why right. your grandma was right when she put the pig foot in the broth and had you eat it. A hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, what do we see? I mean, gosh, we've seen so many things over the years. And truth be told, anybody who has, you know, started their own business where, you know, there was no model or I mean, whatever, even just starting your own business. Yeah, there are days when it's really challenging to keep going because it's, it's, it's a struggle. Yes, and it is. what has kept us going again and again have been the stories that we hear from people who have used Kitchen Witch. And I can remember some of the very first ones that we heard over and over and things we still hear is my husband has cancer and he's in treatment for cancer. The only thing he wants is your broth. Mm. And that's the only thing that he can have. Wow. And I'll, I'll tell you two, two anecdotes with that. Number one, Part of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing now is because my dad died of cancer and I helped Mm. nurse him through that. And my dad, for all the TCM people out there, was the textbook picture of liver fire, Uh. like textbook. And he began with prostate cancer, Mm. then he had ocular melanoma, then he had uh, metastatic liver cancer. So he fully followed the liver channel. Right. God, that's crazy to think about. Wow. Right. Yellow sclera, flaring anger, red face when angry, um, love to palliate with alcohol. Wow. Um, Not in an alcoholic way, but he was very European, and that was just sort of part of what he did, and it it helped him through the day and whatever. Maybe it was alcoholic, but I don't (laughs) – anyway, we don't need to go into that part. Yeah. But he was just this picture of liver fire um, and toxic heat. Yeah. And so that that was another reason why I got into this. And so when I hear all these stories, I remember that when my dad was going through his final stages of cancer, he didn't want anything but soothing liquid foods. Right. 
Because when you're sick, I mean, what do you want? You don't want like a big cold salad. Nope. No. Like never. (laughs) Never. And so this is what we've heard again and again. I was sick. I had the flu. Your broth saved me. Can't tell you how many emails we've gotten about that. Yeah. You know, I was sick. I ran to the store. I drank a whole jar of your broth. I was fine the next day. We hear that again and again. And then we hear about these people, breastfeeding moms who increase their breast milk supply by continually having this. Um, But the most incredible story was gifted to me in a really serendipitous way. I was at um, this really amazing conference that happens at UCSF every year. Um, it's it's held by Dr. Akhil Paliswamy, who wrote a book called The Paleo-Vedic Diet, which is where uh, the paleo ideals and functional medicine ideals come in with Ayurveda. Oh, that's cool. Wow. It, it's super cool. And he runs this uh, center called the IHH at UCSF, which is one of those, to me, beacons of hope for Western medicine in the future, yeah. integrating all of this that we're talking about. Anyway, so a, pra- a functional medicine practitioner there came up to me because I was wearing a Kitchen Witch shirt. And she said, I have to tell you this story about this little girl. And she was a functional medicine pediatrician actually in the Santa Cruz area. And she had a family come to her. They were a Chinese family, immigrants here. And they had like a three-month-old baby. And that baby was in full body, head-to-toe eczema cracking, bleeding, peeling, full autoimmune response, eczema, that was, she, they just couldn't get it under control. And the baby had food allergies to every possible thing that they had tried, even her own mom's breast milk. And mom had eliminated everything and, and she was still reacting to the breast milk. She, was, she had reacted really severely to a soy formula and nothing was working. And this functional practitioner, I mean, they were they were feeling like their baby was going to die from an autoimmune response and the manifestation right. was eczema. Right. All over. Can you imagine having an infant covered in eczema who's uncomfortable? I mean, it's just horrifying. But anyway, they gave the her kitchen witch beef broth and it was the only thing she could digest. And it calmed the autoimmune response enough that they were able to finally incorporate other foods along the line. But it was kitchen witch broth that that baby survived on for a period of months because it was the only thing that didn't cause that reaction. Wow. And that to me is not saying that kitchen witch itself is the same. That to me is saying when you make a legit bone broth, yeah, it's going to allow your body to heal and seal because that's just an autoimmune response that that baby was having. Right. And it, yeah. that for whatever reason, her gut was fully flared up and it needed that varied collagen and gelatin to go in there and coat and coat and coat consistently enough to tamp down the autoimmune fire that was going on. Yeah. And that was that story was was huge for me because you can become really disconnected to what is actually happening out in the world with oh, yeah. the product. You know? Oh yeah. Easy to do. Yeah, it's easy to do. And so we've heard that, you know, over and over and over. And and what you said a minute ago about all these hours in between when we see our patients. Yeah. This is, this is what I say all the time when I treat or not when I treat, cause I don't, I don't actually treat individuals anymore. But when I teach my classes, mm-hmm. I say, look, I can't guarantee that you are going to take the supplements that I recommend to you. I can't guarantee you're going to meditate. Yeah. I can't guarantee you're going to exercise. Right. I can't guarantee you're going to go and show up for all of your actu- acupuncture appointments, but I can guarantee that you're going to eat. Right. 
start with the lowest hanging fruit. Yeah. Well said. I can, yeah. And that, that is the one thing that I know people are going to do. Yeah. And if you can manipulate that for the individual, yes. there's no right answer for everybody. But if you can manipulate that, you make incredible headway. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I mean, a big piece of my f- platform is food is medicine, you know, and mm-hmm. getting, trying to get that notion into people's heads because what we see, and this was, as you were talking, it's, it's just pumping through my head, which is we live in an American culture. There's so much processed food. There's so mm-hmm. much garbage in terms of food colorings, uh, flavor additives and what they call natural flavoring, which is mm-hmm. basically just chemical you know, <laughs> decoctions that mm-hmm. go in and trigger things in our brain. It's it's this very fake food. It doesn't have any real substance. There's it's lacking nutrients. And this is the antithesis to that. This is pretty much mm-hmm. the opposite. This is this is real sourced yeah. actual real beneficial food. And you yeah. guys are putting it in glass, you know, which is yeah. which is even cooler. Um <sighs> which takes that little ratchets it up even that makes it that much more uh, yeah. clean of a product without all the garbage that plastic, yeah. you know, carries. Um, mm-hmm. Even if it's BPA free, you know, there's still just plastics, just not a great thing. And you guys, oh, have, yeah. yeah, BPA is just one of the things that they've found. Correct. That is challenging to the system. Yeah. That is poisonous to the system. That's just one of the things that they've found. Yeah. There's a whole movement that's like BPA free is not enough. Yeah. <laughs> which is it's just true yeah and you know we've been through the ringer on it it is not easy to have a cold product in glass yeah glass is heavy i know glass doesn't make sense in a lot of ways glass doesn't even have the best carbon footprint yeah thin thin plastics have a better carbon footprint in some respects yeah but you have to look at the triple bottom line of everything yes you know so that and and you know that I would say if there's anything that's that's been a big inhibitor for us in terms of growth in the way that you would see a, a food company grow in a more traditional sense, mm-hmm. it's been glass. Yeah. Because we just won't compromise on it. I would rather not make it. Yeah. God bless you for for being <laughs> a hard ass about it because I think it's when, when you, I mean, it's difficult. I know you guys have probably hit a lot of challenges, like you were just saying, right? There's there's some logistical problems yeah. that don't make it easy to do. Yeah. But in the end, right, it's non-porous. There's nothing is going to leach into the broth, and if, especially if you've got people. When you guys are you guys are approaching this as food as medicine, which is beautiful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and people are using it as a medicine per se. Yeah. And with that it's like you might as well make it as clean as possible so that they're getting mm-hmm. exactly what they need without anything extra that could tax the system further. Yeah. That doesn't yeah. make it um, you know, any harder on the body. The, yeah. other, the other piece I want to swing back to that you were talking about, which is um, the gut health piece, right? Which is, mm-hmm. which is fascinating. And I've, um, when I, when I teach courses and stuff and I'm talking to people, I, I reference, you know, uh, things like the gaps diet and mm-hmm. the effects of broth and collagen, what that does to the, to the intestinal lining. But maybe you can speak to that a little bit to the people that don't that aren't hip to that idea and don't know mm-hmm. about gut health, collagen, these really mineral rich foods, and what that does to yeah. the gut and how that re- relates to maybe autoimmune and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you know, by now, anyone listening has heard about the microbiome. Anyone listening has heard about gut health. Yep. That is a ubiquitous term and theme now, and it and it's 
it's in medicine and it's in food, it's in your grocery store, you'll see it there, you'll see it everywhere. And there's a legitimate reason for it. And it's, it's not just a fad or a cliche that's going on. It's this is this is what medicine will focus on moving forward as one of the main themes. Yep. So, you know, everybody's heard like the human body is like a donut. Everything from your mouth to your anus is actually exposed to the outside world, yeah. right? Because we put the food in and then our body does all of these varying discerning processes from the mouth all the way down to the large intestine where it takes out the things that it wants to create the body and, and pulls them in through the gut lining or yeah, basically in through the gut lining yep. and into the bloodstream, mm-hmm. right? And then everything else it doesn't want passes through the body or everything else that it doesn't have the chance to take right. nutrients out of passes through the body. And that, of course, depends on the individual. So the idea um, that is kind of underlying all of this is that our guts are extremely stressed by a range of factors, by foods that are irritating to us, by yep. environmental factors that might be either on our food or in the air, glyphosate being a really big one. That's one, one. Of the big offenders yes. right there. Yeah, a- Absolutely. And that will come to you in the form of your food. That will come to you in the form because, of course, glyphosate is a water-soluble toxin. It's going like this. And for people who are not seeing, I'm circling my arms in the air like a weirdo. <laughs> this is, glyphosate is water-soluble. So it goes, it's sprayed onto the food. It washes off in the water. It sits in the soil, evaporates up into the clouds, and it rains back down on us. And because it has a very long half-life, this cycle continues over and over and over. So yep. not to freak everybody out, but we're even if you're eating organic, you're getting glyphosate in yeah. the form of atmospheric yeah. assault. This is what we call um, atmospheric toxins as a result of yes. how nature processes everything right the circle of life is very real yeah yes so the point being how does this affect gut health it's just sort of another modern day assault that's happening in our guts because again our guts are taking all the things that are coming in and discerning them into what we want and what we don't want but what happens when we spend you know our lives as modern humans being assaulted over and over by things like this, including stress, your own internally mind-generated stress, um, that gut becomes irritated and it begins to puff up. This is inflammation. And all of that puffing up actually creates these microscopic separations between the cells in your gut. And when when those junctions, there are tight junctions and there are gap junctions in your gut cells, And those junctions are extremely important in discerning, pulling out what you need, pulling it, sucking it right into your bloodstream and allowing it to do its work. But when those, when they puff up, those junctions widen and things go into them that should not be able to go into them. Large particles of protein that have not been broken down the way that they should, bacteria and viruses, uh, environmental toxins. So those things that would would have gone through an extreme filtration system are now passing through those widened junctions or those broken junctions. And what sits right behind that first layer, you know, the, 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 the cell wall of your gut is simply one cell. Yeah. Thick. Which is so crazy to think about when you... One cell. Yeah. Well, and just to give a, like a reference to that, when people talk about, um, you know, they've, they've talked about some jellyfish 
have like their their um, their little membrane yeah. is about a cell thick, and yeah. it, you know how thin that is. <laughs> like when you've yeah. seen them, you know, in, in like the aquarium, they're just it's like this beyond paper thin, right? It's just Beyond, it's so like a, incredibly... I think they say it's like half a human hair. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Very, which, very which, thin. You know, creator, whatever you want to believe in that, that created the, the intelligence of the human gut, we need that because when we were digesting really challenging to digest foods, yeah. lots of fiber and things like that, we needed as much possible surface area to right. get the nutrients out of what we were eating. Right. But now, that because that barrier is compromised right on the underside of that first layer, that single layer, the only one there is, is our bloodstream and our immune system. Yeah. And that's good because, right, we want those nutrients to go suck right in and start doing their work and circulate around your body. But that means the same thing for those large particles of protein, for those environmental toxins, for all of your stress hormones. They're going right in. And they're going right into your bloodstream, and then they're irritating your body as a whole. So, yeah, that's like a whole big discussion about autoimmune, yeah, degenerative disease, blah blah blah. But focusing on that gut layer, yeah, that's where it all begins, right? That's our interface with the outside world, right? So we have to do everything that we can to stop compromising that. Yes. That micro, micro, to, to stop compromising that membrane. I don't want to just say microbiome because that's one component. Yeah. The, the physiological membrane is what's compromised. Yeah. Right? We need to do everything we can to stop compromising that, first off. Second off, we have to repair. Yeah. And third, we have to maintain. Yep. So the way that foundational foods like bone broth work are that that whole system in your body that all of all of those squishy parts of you you know in your large intestine that's all made up of collagen Mm -hmm. and but it's very irritated red inflamed collagen yes and all the again imagine those gap junctions are all wide and they need help to close back up and cool down collagen and gelatin coat them yeah and they will temporarily seal those widened junctions, mm-hmm. which allows each of those millions and trillions of junctions to be more discerning. Yes. And so I always talk about it like a fire, right? With a fire, when you're in a full flare, and again, think about them all puffed up, it's raging. Then we tamp it down, we tamp it down, we tamp it down, we tamp yeah. it down. Maybe there are some embers left. Right. We keep tamping down and tamping down until you kill the embers. And that's when you get to maintenance where you're no longer inflamed but to get there we have to be consistent which is why traditional cultures have broth all the time yeah it's not one pill they take a day right it's integrated with the way that they eat yes integrated with the way their culture works it's just what they do and so that consistency cools and heals and seals and that's what we have the opportunity to do now in like whatever flavor you want you can get like a matcha flavored collagen you know right, you can have right. a, make your homemade pho with your bone broth right. and consistently do it but that's that's really the key with with the microbiome and the gut health aspect of it is you need to be consistent and you need to think about it not as just like tossing in a bunch of probiotics right which can be helpful but think about your poor hot yes 
all irritated. Of course, you know, it's, gut lining. Of course, I and mean, no, and it's it's a big piece, right? So what you're talking about, uh, I'm so on board with on on every front, and it. You know, the other way I've heard this described, and which I thought was kind of a cool analogy, they said, like, if you know, if you've got holes in a wall, you have to take spackle and you've got to, like, fill the cracks that the, you know, the collagen and these these mineral rich collagen like foods go into the gut and kind of it's like spackle. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. The only thing is what you're saying is you fill in those gaps. But over time, right, the body through irritants, through things, diet, stress, there's all these things that happen, right? The onslaught of life (laughs) in general, (laughs) you have to, you know, refill um, that spackle. You know, you've got to put those pieces in there. And it's really interesting, the other piece that you touched on, because, um, you know, the eczema piece that you you Mm. spoke about earlier, you know, um, people know this who were, you know, close to me, but, you know, my daughter had just like that baby, severe, like really bad. And, um, you know, we, we address it through various different ways and, um, some allopathic, some Eastern, you know, and, and she's doing amazing now, but yeah. what they, when we were talking to the these Stanford doctors about this, because she had it so bad, you know, they said it was just really, really, really bad. And she was, you know, from age four, four months to seven months, she was like in like, in, like that baby just, it was, Oh my God, it was, you know, exactly. I know exactly. It was horrible. It was like the worst patch of my life to date for sure my wife too it sucked but um one of the things that the stanford doctors were talking about right because i was some of the doctors i was pushing i was like so do you guys need to check her gut like the gut health and a lot of the doctors it was just over their head you know they're like what like no and then some were like yeah that's a good point you know and it was (laughs) so it it was frustrating right to have like mds where you're like oh my god you know i'm not a medical doctor and i'm not like i I never hold my position like oh i'm superior but it was frustrating to be educating an md sometimes about oh yeah the most basic idea and then other times they were on board and i was like good you know you i i I like you (laughs) that you're yeah but one of the things they talked about was um so you were saying you know the gut lining there's this um you know the the gaps essentially in in the gut right and it goes into the bloodstream and it causes these autoimmune responses and it can cause allergies and all these crazy things. And what they're finding now with the, the research around um, eczema and these, these things where, where kids develop these crazy allergies. Mm-hmm. So when kids are exposed in that, that, that membrane, right from the TCM, right? The way she is totally exposed. What, what they're finding is, is when these food proteins get in through the skin and go directly into the bloodstream. So like say peanut, right? Or, sunflower seeds or, or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is when the skin is exposed when they're babies and their immune systems are still developing and they get these foods say you know mom's eating an egg sandwich and a little piece of egg falls and like just touches the baby's skin when it goes right into the bloodstream and it doesn't have the chance to pass through the digestive tract the body registers it as something foreign and mm-hmm. develops an allergy so like this mm. per, this permeable membrane on the skin when when kids are in that stage if they have eczema like the thing that they're saying now is you have to be hyper vigilant about foods touching their skin. Like that's one of the things because if it goes in that way, they're going to get the allergy. Mm. But it's really interesting to see when you're talking about the gut lining, the same thing happens, right? It's this permeability yeah. thing that you don't want. Right. Skin needs to be intact, right? Ideally, and then the gut keeping that gut lining intact, um, you know, not permeable. And like you said, I mean, it really points to lifestyle. There has to be a certain point where we start inoculating ourselves with these foods that are collagen rich, mineral rich. So the body has a baseline to work from. And I think that's one of the trickiest things to get into people's head. Like you said, right? It's not a single pill. It's not like a one shot does it. It's you have to be making these foods. So when you, I mean, you're obviously making a product that people can consume. They can buy anywhere, Whole Foods now, and all these amazing flavors. 
do you what's it look like when you're doing when you're teaching on, on this are you um encouraging people you know just to buy your product are you encouraging them to make it like mm -hmm. how do you frame the context of getting these foods into your diet on the long-term yeah. scale yeah well okay first of all you just really got me thinking like, yeah buzzing in my brain about weichi yeah because okay weichi we think of it on the outside but what about what about the this idea like i was saying about you know the human donut yeah what about these compromised digestive systems that were not seen in the way that they are seen now they weren't seen that way yeah when you know the chinese medicine that we know is being formulated and documented and all of that like what about weichi on the inside now that we don't have this discernment in the same way the physiology the organ systems are not working in the way that they Correct. should be in a lot of people you know we shouldn't have kids who react because an egg drops on them right right like what's what's going on there you know like that that just really got me thinking but oh no it, it's it's boggling i mean and and just to give people that are listening that are not tcm chinese medicine people so what mogli and i are talking about when we're talking about wei chi there's this and i've mentioned this in another podcast but just if this is people are listening just to this one wei chi is this idea that it's this layer between your skin and your muscle that acts as a buffer between you and the outside world so it protects you from external pathogens so bacteria that could come through the skin where you pick up a, a cold or being exposed to elements, right? Wind, cold, damp, heat. Mm -hmm. um, and it also has a, an emotional piece too, right? The, the weichi of how well we interface with the external world and emotions coming into us and out of us. So there's all these protocols and ways to, to strengthen weichi, this idea of this protective layer. But yeah, as you're talking about it, it's like, right? Doesn't it, it spins the wheels, right? In a bunch of different directions to think, yes. to think about this, this idea. And the other piece too that I always kind of drew back to um, in Chinese medicine is the, the tie-in connection, right? Lung and spleen. Yep. The spleen is just a conglomerate of lymph tissue, which regulates our immune system, you know? So there's this internal connection too on the inside lungs, right? Skin, mm -hmm. exterior. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You, we could nerd out on Chinese medicine and all this stuff for yeah. <laughs> a long I mean, time. And yeah. then you think about the asthma eczema co connection. Correct. Correct. Which is just in Western medicine, it's so well known. Yes. It happens all the Often. time. Often. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. My sister was one of those kids. Yep. She doesn't have asthma anymore. She still has eczema, but she was an asthma eczema kid. Mm -hmm. That was just the way that it was. We yep. would go in and she would have get her inhalers and then we would go in and she would get her steroid cream. Right. And it was like, yeah, it's just, it's just these things come together. We don't know why. Right. And they're starting to figure it out why, right? Right. <laughs> bit by right. bit by bit. And so anyway, yeah. Back, anyway, back, back okay. to back to your te right. your teaching piece. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, I know we could spin I'm... out for a long time, but it's I know there's a lot here in terms of just it's a big topic, uh, yeah. gut health and all this stuff. It's huge. Yeah, it's a big. Topic. Yeah, well, but again, and I I told you this when we were talking before, um, which is I'm so interested in figuring out a way to truly bring Chinese medicine theory and functional medicine mm -hmm. together so that our TCM community can so brilliantly bring these things together and shine even a brighter light on what we're learning with modern medicine and with functional medicine and in using our 
ancient tools to interpret it because they are still legitimate. It's just that we need we need our TCM people to be thinking about not just in the classic way, but with with the modern research that we've got going on now, and with food as medicine, and right. you know, like all of the environmental stuff, we need our TCM practitioners to be thinking in that way too. Yep. So I'm I'm just so interested in the way those worlds intersect. But yeah. anyway, back to the teaching thing. So I I teach a lot of classes on autoimmune. I teach a lot of classes on anti-inflammatory living, and I teach a lot of classes on just straight-up bone broth making. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I'm teaching those classes, my number one goal is to empower people that when they leave, they feel like they can go home and do this on their own. Yeah, because that's, that's really good. I don't want people to feel like they need to rely on complicated and yes expensive outside sources to form a foundation for their health that's just not it's just not true you don't need to rely on that making bone broth is um i don't know if i would say it's easy but it's simple yes agreed it's very it's very simple um it does take time it does you know the number one thing i hear in classes is my husband doesn't like the way it smells when i'm cooking the broth and he won't (laughs) let me cook it at home can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Yeah. Not always, not always in that voice, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, people don't like to do it because it's kind of stinky. People are afraid of leaving their stove on for yeah. you know overnight or twenty four hours. But I, I in all my classes I do demonstrations, so I, I teach in a cooking, in a in a teaching kitchen. So right. I'm able to show people right then and there, teach them about what to ask for at the butcher when you go to get bones how to collect bones from all of the, the meals that you have and freeze them, and then how to ultimately make your own bone broth and then do it safely because if you're doing a larger batch, the jarring process can be messy and it can be dangerous. So right. I teach people ha- how to do that and really empower them to do it at home. And likewise with all of the you know seemingly complicated foods that you, know, you hear paleo, you hear autoimmune paleo, you hear keto, you hear yeah. walls, you hear gaps, you hear right. all these different things. My goal is always to show people, like, look, those are all different names for the very same thing. Yeah, yeah, very true. And all that matters is that we get you this foundational knowing, mm-hmm. and then from that foundational knowing, you individualize it. Right. With trial and error on yourself. Mm-hmm. So that that's that's ultimately the goal is to make sure that people understand that there's a lot of marketing out there. Yeah. But it really comes down to you in your kitchen, interacting with some food, and then eating it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, and it's a simple formula. It's, it yeah. really is. It, that's the trickiest part that I've found is people are, because I'll teach at the various different capacities, but I'll teach a natural food co op. I'll teach, you know, these places in Sacramento, um, some of the places where I, where I work. I'll teach on food, and it's amazing how people are interested about food, right? Because we all eat. <laughs> I'm always posting stuff on social media of the meals I make and it, people always are, you know, it gets a lot of hits because they're just like, yeah. they see the food and they're like, oh my God, it looks so good. Recipe, please. Right, right, right. <laughs> so people are into food, but then there's often this big wall that's hit where it's like, mm-hmm. wait, but I have to do stuff to 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 make yeah. it, <laughs> to, to, to yeah. get this into my body. I have to yeah. work at it a little bit. And yeah. that's, I mean, it's just, it's so different now. People, there's a lot of people, a lot of people who love to cook. And a lot of people who either don't know how, um, which is one of the things, this is one of the biggest, like when I, when I assess people and I'm working with them at the lifestyle level, 
I, it's one of my key questions. I'm like, do you cook and do you know how to? And mm-hmm. if they don't, it's immediately like, wow. So this is a big area of leakage in your life force. I, in my estimation, it's like if you can't, if you don't have a baseline to prepare your food or to make these, these foods um, and, and hopefully make them tasty, right? So you actually mm-hmm. enjoy them and it's not just, um, just totally shitty to, you know, to, yeah. to eat something yeah. that doesn't taste good. Yeah. That's a very real thing of, of getting people into the mindset of being willing and able to prepare food, right? To make yes. it, to um, have their hands in it. Because there's something that happens, right? Outside of, yes, it's good for you. It's really amazing when people start making their own food, what it does for them. I mean, I've had bad days where I make a meal and it's like, that's my time to unwind. That's my, my time to cut stuff. Ah, oh, smells good. You know, the flavors kick yeah. up. But a lot of people don't, you know? It's not... It's not a part yeah. of their lifestyle or they have they have a, yeah. an aversion to to cooking because they just, you know, never learned or don't like it. Never learned. They didn't have it in their house or right. they feel intimidated by it. That's and a what big one. I and yeah, I encounter that a lot with the the, you know, student population that I have and then with the the client population that we have at Kitchen Witch and with our gut reset and all of that. That's what I encounter a lot is right. people who either they are so sick or food has made them so sick because they're in whatever state that they are afraid and feel disempowered about cooking for themselves or choosing the right foods. And so they come to me and they ask me these questions that, you know, I have to, I have to sort of slow myself down and have compassion because they ask me questions where I'm like, come on. (laughs) Yeah. You can answer that question for yourself. Yeah. Yes, you can have this food. And if you don't know, you got to try it, you know. But yes. people get people get so disempowered because, again, like I said, yeah. there's so many names for things out there. Should I, I be know. keto? Is this keto? Like how many times have I heard, is this keto? Is this paleo? <laughs> is this this? And it's like I feel, oh I feel a, a lot of compassion for it because there's yeah. so much intersection of marketing, yeah. wellness stuff. Yeah medical stuff and then the the very foundational fact that a lot of people that we're seeing and a lot of people out there feel like crap yeah that's right that's right that's the bottom line people aren't feeling well they don't feel well in whatever way which is why i love that you you call it lifestyle medicine because Mm -hmm. we are we know that it's not Mm -hmm. one pill it's not going to be the supplement regimen that you're on that solves you know the the strange nagging sense of dissatisfaction that you have that requires a talk with your your spouse yes you know what i mean fully fully like it's all it's all interconnected and that doesn't need to be complicated it actually for me simplifies the situation tremendously yeah so yeah so so back to that whole disempowerment thing I, I think that it is such an alchemy that happens when people touch back in with their food. Yes. And become familiar again with their food. And what what was this was and is this other part of what I do is, you know, it's so funny because like I I'm such a, a tangible person. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of trouble in Chinese medicine school because a lot of it felt so ethereal and esoteric and like sometimes um, yeah. This, you know, the, the, like even the idea of like Wei Qi or whatever, it was very hard and like put the needle here and then the magic happens, like, <laughs> which is why I don't needle people. I love being needled. Magic happens. Yeah. But it wasn't my thing. I'm so like, this is the food. 
eat the food. Yeah, you know, totally. Like, see what it. happens with the food. I'm the same way. Yeah, and so what? What I started doing again, I made the bone broth for people. I put it in their face and like watched them react to it. And so I started cooking for people, doing the nutritional consulting, and then private chefing for people because. I would advise people do this and this and this thing and they wouldn't do it because all yeah. the above reasons that we stated they were intimidated they didn't know where to get the stuff blah blah right. blah so I was like right. I'm going to I'm going to do it so I just <laughs> did it for them right and so I'm going to take care of this for you right now <laughs> so there's no then, more mistakes right <laughs> yeah and then eat it but and so I have you know part of I have a couple clients I still do this with and then I have a sous chef who's really amazing who I've trained to do this and she does this for my other clients here in Santa Cruz where we're we're ac she's actually going into their homes and she's cooking and preparing the things that I've told them that oh, they wow. need to to eat right and that's not doable for every household by any means and it yeah. also still removes the people from their food it gives them a little bit of a stepping stone because they'll come in and they'll see Mia right. who's my sous chef who's amazing in their cooking and they'll say oh oh we're putting that in there why are you putting that in there why are those nuts soaking over there you know mm -hmm. what, what's going on and so they touch back in and then they get more familiar with their food but I think that that is something we need people to do more and more of is just get in the kitchen get a cookbook that you love yeah. you know and and cook from it mm -hmm. get one that's not intimidating there's a great one by Nom Nom Paleo she's a I have, she's a, I have that book yeah the ready set go if anybody it's feels intimidated by cooking deeply nourishing meals get that book it's yeah. like she makes it so easy like you have 20 minutes here's 50 recipes that you can do in 20 minutes yeah absolutely nourishing you know paleo style foods so do you follow uh michael pollan's work at all yes so he's got that he's that big i mean he's got the mm -hmm. netflix specials he's been on the talks mm -hmm. he's got the books but i mean this that's his a big thread of what he's talking about right it's like mm -hmm. get back get back to your food get back mm -hmm. to this and outside of that, right, this is the piece that I find interesting about food and why it's so awesome if you can get even moderately good at it in cooking is, you know, that they, the psychology, right, what we were talking about, you know, mental health and gut health, that link is, is, oh, is big, right? That's, that's a huge thing. And what they found is, right, people, I mean, they've done research around this, people digest food better, they assimilate nutrients better when they eat food in a social and loving context. So people are mm -hmm. like smiling and talking and, you know, sharing their day and they're eating food for one emotionally. It's just great, right. To, mm -hmm. to sit around a table, talk about your day, do your things. Mm -hmm. And it's like this extra layer, right. That makes you healthier. It's mm -hmm. fund fundamentally. So I think it's like when you open this door to food, the whole real actual foods that you've made invariably, typically you want to share them. Whenever I make a good meal, you know, if, if my wife and baby go to bed early I'm always like calling one of my buddies. I'm like, hey, bro, you want to come over? I just cooked up this like amazing thing, you know, <laughs> like there's leftovers. I don't want to eat this by myself because I want to watch Aww. somebody enjoy it, you know. So there's always this that element, too. I think that it's 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 it kind of it's it, it addresses multiple things at once, you know, getting your food. It's like mentally good for you. Socially, it's good for you. Yeah. Um, you know, it adds to this this larger health piece. But um, that's why I liked, I just love what you guys, you know, have been doing. I mean, it's, it's putting a real actual nutrient dense food out for people and it gives them an experience like, oh, wow, mm -hmm. this is real food, right? Yeah. This is a real yeah. actual thing. This is what food is supposed to taste like. It should be nutrient dense. It should be grounding when you eat it. There yeah. should be a, 
ah, what do they call it? The umami, you know, or what's that word where they, ah, like when you eat food, and it's just like, oh my God, like that's. I don't know what the word for that is because umami is a particular taste, but I want to know. It, maybe that's that. it. I might have it wrong. Yeah. I definitely <laughs> I might know. have it wrong. Yeah. It's, <laughs> but they talk about that, right? There's just that, that element of, of, of real actual food, which is why it's so, so beautiful. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Because if not, I have some other stuff well, I yes, to ask about. The one thing I want to say about that is, you know, I'm sure that there are people that hear that and have heard that in different contexts, mm-hmm. this whole, you know, like take the time, touch on your food, learn to cook, da da yeah. da. And they feel like, God dang it. Like, yeah. when am I going to have time to do that? Like, how does that fit into my life? Like, I get off late, I do this and I do that. I'm, I'm busy, yeah. I'm busy and, and you know, I've got a baby or whatever it is. And I, yeah. I fully, fully hear that. And the idea for me is it doesn't need to be because I get I guess I get a lot of people, a lot of my clientele, they want to do it all mm-hmm. and they want to do it all quickly because a lot of times people are coming to us and they're already in either a disease state or right. an extreme stress state or they're somewhere where they're like, I need to do it. Like, I need, what do I do? Yeah. Like, give me all the stuff. I want to do it and I want to do it right. I get that a lot in my mm-hmm. clientele. And I have to have them take a step back and be like, let's talk about how to make this work for you. Yeah. Some to most of the time. Right. Let's start there. The majority, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just, let's, yeah, get the, the broad strokes. <laughs> let's let this become a gradual integration. And I say this again to my clients all the time. Like, look, I'm not looking for the the silver bullet or however you say. I'm not yeah. looking for the one thing. Right. I'm looking for this relationship to be long. Yeah. We're going to take our time. Yeah. And we're going to do this gradually so that it becomes integrated into your life rather than a one-off kind of thing. Totally. So just saying that so that people don't feel like that extreme pressure to – learn to cook and make it taste good and do all of that right away. It's just touch in, start where you are. Yeah. You know? And if for me, it's, it's like, I, I cook for people all the time. I cook with people all the time, mm-hmm. but I don't cook for myself or my fiance all the time. Uh huh. And he's just like, okay, what I'll get, I'll pick something <laughs> up for dinner because I'm tired of cooking or I'm for tired sure. of in- interacting with food because I do it all day. And, and so I have to remind myself to nourish myself because I'm a busy person too. Yeah. So like the way that I did that and reinvigorated myself this weekend actually was really random, but I made a kvass. Oh, I love like the beet kvass. Well, it's interesting. Is it not I beet? Made, <laughs> I made a kvass with carrot and turmeric, uh, raw turmeric and ginger and black pepper. And then I made my own whey from sheep's wow. yogurt. Wow. So, it was this little thing that I haven't fermented in so long and I haven't cooked in my own kitchen for so long. And it just was a little spark and I decided to follow it because I knew kvass is not a time intensive thing. No. And I felt so invigorated by it. I was like, I like to do this. Yeah. I forgot. I like to do this for me. Yes. So important. So, and Magali, for the people that don't know what kvass is, tell them. Because <laughs> the people are like, what the hell is kvass? You know? Okay. Kvass is... Kvass is a fermented drink, and it's it's attributed to Eastern European, mainly Russian cultures. It was uh, 
typically made with old stale rye bread mm-hmm. uh, that you would kind of mush up and then add some salt and add some water and allow that to ferment. Um, because I am, you know, gluten and grain free, I didn't do it with rye bread. I did it instead with a starchy veggie. So my starchy veggie was carrot because carrots are really nice right now in the winter time. They're mm-hmm. really nice and orange and yeah. uh, fibrous. And so I got a bunch of carrots and I grated them up and they act as the carbohydrate or sugar source yep. when you cultivate the bacteria. So basically you basically... If you've never done kvass, how to make this simple. It's like kombucha, except there's no sugar added. Instead of sugar, you're using a starchy veggie, and that's what the bacteria is going to feed off of. Yeah. Um, Whereas with kombucha, you would add a scoby, which is the, like, mushroomy mother thingy that makes the bacteria for the kombucha. With kvass, instead, you add some whey, and I... See, I say it and it sounds so complicated. (laughs) I made my own way from some sheep's yogurt. I got from a local farm. I got some sheep's yogurt and I I just separated the whey out of it, which is incredibly simple. And I made kvass. So it's going to it's going to ferment. And I'm going to pour off all the veggies and then I'm going to let it carbonate a little bit. And so it'll be a fizzy. It's delicious. Fermented like, drink that I just love so much. Kvass is amazing. <laughs> I, I made kvass. I was using the kefir grains, you know, the mm-hmm. back when I was in school, and I was making beet kvass uh, so yeah. consistently, it kind of like as a blood tonic, yes. and it was and it was amazing. And what I always find, you know, when you were talking about that, when just as a cool side note, when I finally got that. So the SCOBY, right? Symbiotic mm-hmm. culture of bacterial yeast. Like that's the, yeah. little, the, the nasty, slimy, alien-looking yeah. mushroom brain that yeah. sits on top of the kombucha. That's but, exactly what it is. Yeah, it's so gross looking. But <laughs> when I started to get that, when I, I remember thinking when I was learning about this stuff, I was like, why do you put sh- sugar? We don't process sugar. It's like not good for us. Until mm-hmm. I realized, I was like, oh, it eats it. And then essentially it defecates probiotics out. <laughs> like that's what it does, you know? And I was like, oh my God, that's really interesting and kind it's of really gross. Just- Kind of gross, so gross. But, yeah, <laughs> kind of nasty, but incredibly good for us, right? So, yeah, yeah, kvass. Yeah. Um, okay, well, so the the question now, um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about was kind of, yeah, kind of the entrepreneurial <laughs> side of this because, uh-huh. um, you know, myself going to Chinese medicine school, having a background in art, I'm much more of a right brain artistic intuitive type and learning the business side of things has like been a slow and laborious process. Mm-hmm. So for you being pl- plugged into this scene where you're learning like, you know, holistic medicine, Chinese medicine, and then moving into kind of an entrepreneurial stance of, and in starting a food product and moving through that, how have you just navigated the business side of this and, mm. and, and like built it out? Like how, what's that process been like going from, cause it, Right, you have to have a business sense to, to to do Chinese medicine as well. But I just want to hear that a little bit about like how that's unfolded. Yeah, I mean, it is certainly light years away from you know starting your own clinic and learning how to market yourself individually that way, and right. continually bring people in, and yep. how to do all that billing. Like that's a whole different side of this that I, I didn't learn and I think is its yep. own major challenge. Um, I never expected to need to know so much about uh, freight routes up and down the West Coast. I never expected I'd need to know about lift gates on trucks and pallet jacks and forklifts <laughs> right. and 
you know, like, uh, minimum <laughs> orders for vinyl labels and, you know, just so many details and then not even getting into like figuring out what your margin is when you add in a distributor and, oh yeah, you need a broker in the natural food industry. And like, what does 5% wow. off the top look like? And, right. you know, right. all of that. So it has been, um, <laughs> it has been at times fully, I've found myself elated and I have fully found myself like literally in the fetal position on the floor crying. Fair enough. Thank you for your honesty. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And multiple times on all of those ends and then everything in between. Most days are somewhere in between, thankfully. Yeah. Um, oh gosh. It's, it's, uh, when you are trying, when you are not just trying, but when you are creating a product, whether that is a service that you're offering in the way that a lot of you know practitioners do, or whether that is a, a an actual product, when you're doing something like this and refusing to compromise on your integrity, yeah, there is this for me. There is this thread that that pulls me along no matter what the challenge is because I know that at a fundamental level what I'm doing is good. Yeah. And I know that at a fundamental level what I'm doing is um, right, at least for the moment. Yeah. Everything else is the noise of the day. And that doesn't mean that I know that Kitchen Witch is going to like prevail and become the bone broth company of the United States. And we're going to like... <laughs> sell yeah. for millions of dollars and right. it'll all be a hundred percent worth it. I don't yeah. know that. Yeah. We can't know that, but I know that what I'm doing is right. I know that what I'm doing is good and that is what pulls me through, but it has been a, a, a massive learning experience. And, um, I think that the most, some of the most challenging parts as with any entrepreneurial business is, is income. It's finances it's yeah. making all of these different parts work so that the the business is running and then you have to turn around and say oh oh what what about me like right. i i need to have the money to make the kvass that right. re-inspires me right. to then continue on in this coming week because i had this little dose of inspiration and self-care and self-love like right. i i need to it all is symbiotic right yeah 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 so i think that um it's I'm learning every day about it. I I love to explore and talk about it and I am in no way an expert on how to do this kind of thing. Yeah. Because at the same time, you know, this is a burgeoning industry. This is this yeah. is this is very new in in what's happening right now, the way that you know alternative medicine is feeding into the wellness world yes right because wellness is one thing alternative medicine is another thing it feeds in then the wellness world feeds into the grocery world now yes. which is amazing yeah like so amazing yeah things have changed quite a bit yeah things have changed a lot it used to be that the alternative medicine and wellness fed into the supplement section of right. your Right. natural grocery store right and and you would go to the supplement section to look for those things that you need but now yeah it's all over the store yeah and now grocery stores natural grocery stores are becoming hubs for people 
they have, like you said, your co-op has a teaching classroom, it sounds like. A big one, ours, yeah. Yeah, and ours has this great teaching classroom, too. And we have wellness practitioners and alternative medical practitioners and MDs coming in and teaching. Wow. In a food mecca. Like, what's going on, right? So this, this, is, this is what's happening in the moment. And so being in that moment as an entrepreneur here uh, – it takes a lot of adaptation and it takes a lot of looking at the marketing and seeing where, where we fit in and how we can do it in a way that feels um, integrous rather than just trying to sell, sell, sell somebody a product, you know, right. which is what you would typically do yeah. in, in a business, obviously. Yeah. So um, that's kind of the, the world that, that my brain lives in most of the time because I'm not I've never been salesy. <laughs> yeah. I abhor salesy. Yeah. You know, like I don't even like to do demos for the company. I've never wanted to do demos. Yeah. It's a it's a big part of, of selling a food product. You're for in sure. the store, you're on the ground, you're doing demos. I can't I can't do it. <laughs> right. It feels too salesy. Like I need to be teaching in the teaching classroom and I'll do a tasting demo of our broth. Right, right. But it's in the context of teaching because the salesy part just, oof. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah. Understandable. I mean, I, I, can, <laughs> I can relate very much so. It's, yeah, for me for me to do that as well would be difficult. I'm pretty personable and I'm like quick on my feet and stuff. But yeah, it's not my favorite. I, I'm like you. If I'm teaching, that is the <laughs> sales pitch, right? It's like, yes. then they're, they've, they're like, oh, this is interesting. I want in. And I'm yeah, that's exactly. way easier to me. Exactly. So, um well, that's really good to hear, though, and I, I really appreciate, I mean, at a personal level that you guys have done this, that you've gone down this road to make such a an awesome food product that's accessible um, and in glass and, and, and it has interweaved, uh, you know, your higher education. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of amazing things here, but I also understand the logistical reality of doing something at this scale with, mm-hmm. how many kitchens do you guys have? Kitchens? Yeah, like where you're actually preparing. Do you have one one primary one? We have one bigger production facility. Mm-hmm. And then we have one kitchen, shared kitchen, yeah. we share with other artisanal food uh, businesses, uh-huh. uh, where we do all of the soup making for our gut reset program, which is the smaller, it's a, the smaller direct arm of Kitchen Witch, uh-huh. whereas the, that's not in the retail space. Um in terms of, you know, like it's through our distribution channels, Whole Foods right. and the New Leaves and all of those organic markets of the world. Yeah. That happens in our larger production facility. And then the direct to consumer gut reset stuff happens in our smaller kitchen facility. Very cool. And my office is above that and I get to look down <laughs> through Over- my little window. Overseeing everything. <laughs> yeah. And watch my staff as they make thousands of gallons of soup. <laughs> yeah. Well, and just so people know, um, you know, just to give a little bit on the product, um, <clears throat> how many how many different types of broth do you sell? I know you do beef and chicken. Do you do something else also? Mm-hmm. You do fish, So right? we do we do our beef. So it's a organic grass-fed beef. Mm-hmm. Um, we do our organic and pastured chicken. We do our organic turkey. And then we have what we call our almost veggie broth, which is a mm mushroom-based broth that we add grass-fed beef gelatin to. Um, oh, okay. And that is, you know, it's not a huge seller, but it's, I, most people, when they try it, they think it's their favorite. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but we did that because we had so many vegans and vegetarians who wanted the benefits of bone broth, but they didn't want to deal with the flavor or the, the smell of <clears throat> actual beef right. or chicken bone broth. So we add the um, grass-fed beef gelatin to it. Um, so it's still gels. They still get the gelatin content, but it's in something that's more palatable for them. Got it. Yeah. Well, Magali, is there anything else that you want to touch on about Kitchen Witch? Is there any other like final thoughts about yeah, the company, this processed <laughs> food? I mean, there's a ton here, but yeah, is there anything else you want to say? Um, I don't know. I think we've covered a lot of it. I would say, you know, if there's any nuggets to take from it, it's try and make your own bone broth. Yeah so much available stuff that you can learn online yeah if you don't want to deal with it buy a high quality bone broth preferably in glass Mm -hmm. if you're on the west coast then obviously kitchen which is the choice for that um and yeah touch in with your food take a look at what you're eating and we do have our our gut reset program which is our five-day um soup and bone broth program that i created for my private clients that i saw so much profound shift happen in those five days that we started offering it through kitchen witch so um if you go to kitchenwitchbroth.com slash cleanse you'll see that program that is a direct drop ship to your house five days of broth and soup and our access to our full online portal that guides you the whole way that's awesome that's that segues into that last question so yeah i said where where people find you if they want to get in on this what you just gave um do you guys have any other social media thing that you do um Yes, if you want to watch me make kvass, you can. <laughs> I, I do have an Instagram that I'm trying to be a little more active on, and that's my personal one. That's at the gutsy chef. Gutsy, Good like, name. yep, G T S Y chef at the gutsy chef, and then kitchen witch um, is kitchen witch broth on Instagram as well. Very cool. Yeah. Well, Magali, thank you for thank you for the time, and thank you for all that you're doing. It's an awesome product, and you guys are doing great work. So, thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. So fun. Okay, take care. All right, bye.